0: Hi, welcome to What Are the Tax Implications? I'm Ron Scott. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. We are your first call tax advocates here once again to help increase your financial and tax knowledge. In this episode of What Are the Tax Implications?, we'll be discussing W 2 workers who are working from home, can't go to the office, but It's important that they keep working. What are the tax implications when you work from home? Additionally, well, we had a prior caller in our last episode who was actually um, having their examination as we were recording our session, and it didn't go well. So we'll be discussing the IRS appeals process and what are the tax implications. And lastly, For all of the people out there who want to help by donating, by being charitable, we'll be discussing the tax implications of charitable giving.
1: Whether you're the CEO of your household or of your business, questions constantly arise regarding the tax consequences of your financial circumstance. First Call Tax Advocates is always here to answer your questions and offer educational background regarding the potential tax implications of your action. Ron and Jeff are your first responders. They are board-certified financial and tax professionals with over 60 years of experience. Please visit their website, FirstCallTaxAdvocates.com. That's FirstCallTaxAdvocates.com. Learn more about them, explore their resources, and leave a review of your experience. For more urgent matters, please call them toll-free at 568-8999. That's 568-8999. The topics
0: and responses discussed here are intended for general education. Our discussions are not intended to give you advice on your specific situation. We would advise you to seek advice from a competent and licensed professional. Tax law is always evolving, and our discussions are based on the law existing to date. Our first caller today, is Helen from Houston. Helen is fortunate enough to still be working, but she cannot go to the office. She has the opportunity to be productive from home, Jeff. She can do her work from home and still get paid. How good is that? But
2: what are the tax implications? Good question. So the first thing to consider is how deep we want to go into the subject. But in general, um, other than your employer giving you money to cover your extra unusual expenses for working at home, uh, there is no longer a tax deduction for office and home, thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act.
0: So Helen is a paralegal. So she's able to do a lot of her work from home, uh, she has a computer, she has a printer, it's a scanner. She's able to, to make phone calls. She can speak to any people that she needs to. She uses Zoom meetings, so she's using her laptop. And she's had to dedicate a space in her home, though, Jeff, in order for her to do this. She's uh, she's renovated a bedroom and she's turned it into a home office. And she's eventually going to go back to the office But for this year, is there any type of uh, tax deduction that she might be able to take for the for the renovation? I mean, she really didn't buy much. She just, you know, turned a bed into a place to put files and she's working on a table. She's calling it a desk.
2: Any tax deductions for her? Not at this time, but it does bring back memories, Ron, of the way it used to be. Uh, In the post-Dr. Soilman versus United States, a world of office and home where the office had to be regular and exclusive and uh, for the convenience of the employer, not the convenience of the employee. And who knows, maybe Congress and all of their mishmashing around will revisit the subject now that more and more people are working from home. What do you think, Ron? So... um Having waiting for that to happen,
0: I don't think is uh, good tax planning um, from a compliance standpoint where she has to file, you know, eventually. I mean, she's got plenty of time, but she's kind of trying to figure out, you know, does she have to keep her receipts? Well, you know, you do have this benefit of not having to commute to work. So you don't have to take the public transportation or drive your car. So you're getting a benefit there in a sense. It's a good thing that your employer is able to give you uh, this opportunity. But it looks like, Helen, you can't take advantage of this situation from a tax standpoint for deductions. You are able to receive your income, which is a good thing, and not have to pay out commuting expenses. Um, Jeff, what happens though, when there are agreements in place, let's say, um, cause I know in the New York metropolitan area, when you have monthly parking, what happens to the person who commuted to work now is working from home, but commuted to work and paid for a
2: parking space in a garage? Hmm. Well, there's a lot of those people and gym memberships while you're at lunch and all of those things. So we don't yet know what the government is going to do about that. But as of now, you entered into a contractual arrangement. You're obligated unless there's some kind of divine intervention from the state capitol.
0: It's kind of like renting, right? Renting uh, office equipment. You can't go into the office to use the equipment. Now you're using your home copier Right. So I guess those are expenses maybe that can be reimbursed by the company. So, Helen, we don't yet know what uh, the tax implications will be. Um, We hope to learn more about this. Our show tries to stay current. uh, But at this point, keep good records, keep receipts just in case. Good luck, Helen. Our next caller is Ted from Tottenville. Re- remember Ted? We had him on the last episode. So yeah, Ted. Ted's uh, examination didn't go so well, Jeff. Turns out that his friend uh, who um, helped him, remember that guy? Helped him with the tax return. So his friend represented him. No, maybe, no, didn't represent him. Was a witness. <laughs> Oof, turned out to be a witness for the prosecution. So we have some tax implications here, Jeff. We have Ted in trouble. Uh, The IRS did not uh, see favorably for him. And we're going to have to appeal. So what are the tax implications? What's the process of
2: uh, an IRS appeal? Oh, there's plenty. Um, Sorry about that terrible news, Ted. Um, Ron, you and I talk about this all day long. Oh, yeah. Um, the first step is to go to the manager of the audit unit. And uh, what I would do is, um, being a licensed representative, I would review all of the things that, that were endemic to those d- d- deductions. Uh, that's the word, even though I can't say it. To the deductions, see maybe things were omitted that they might have otherwise been entitled to.
0: So should Ted have his friend reach
2: out to the manager? Um, That wouldn't be my advice. Um, Ted's friend lacks the proper skill set, the vocabulary, and the experience. Uh, Could Ted do that? Sure, he could. It wouldn't be the smart thing. I would go to somebody licensed, an EA, a CPA, or a licensed attorney. So, from an education standpoint, deal from a position of strength, Ted.
0: Have somebody there as an advocate for you who knows how to handle an IRS appeal. Jeff brought up using the first step of speaking to the manager. Okay, let's say that doesn't uh, bear any fruit, Jeff. Um, what are the administrative uh, processes available to Ted? And hopefully, Ted is working with a representative, an advocate who can help him with this process. What what, what are some of the uh, administrative uh, processes available?
2: Well, the first thing is you really have to know what you're dealing with. So I would do a private audit of uh, of Ted and your expenses just to make sure that we've accounted for all of the deductions. You might have left something important out Um And when we go present our arguments to the next group of people, they have to consider everything to get to the right tax. And that is guaranteed to you by the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. But you have the manager, the audit reconsideration. You have the appeal. You have the collection due process procedure there's a couple of those and then ultimately the tax court so there's a lot of administrative things in there but it starts with knowing what you're talking about knowing the facts knowing if you've left out deductions knowing if you didn't take the right deductions or you took too much or you estimated them incorrectly so proof compliance and then following the checklist so how long can an appeal take. <laughs> Ron, unfortunately, we talk about this all the time, don't we? Um, it can take weeks, but more likely it'll take months. And now that the government has been shut down as the entire country has been shut down, it's anybody's guess. But um, this is not a quick process. So, Ted, step
0: one, find somebody who can represent you and Listen to their guidance. Okay. Uh, I guess re regather a lot of the information that was used for the first uh, tax return filings and whatever was prepared for your examination. Okay. Follow the administrative process as laid out by your representative. Cooperate. Cooperate. Um, Answering letters that come in the mail, Jeff, it's, it's really important now because a lot of them are date sensitive, correct, with regard to appeals?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, definitely want to answer the letters or have your representative answer letters. And since the government is shut down, you know, what is the crazy procedure? I would send them certified and I would send them timely to the due dates. So you want to be cooperating,
0: during the appeals process, there is a uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Though the appeals process is not uh, a an open and shuts type of thing. It, there's a little nuance. There's a little um, qualitative uh, aspect There are qualitative acts aspects of it. That's why you want a seasoned pro to help you. Ted, uh, sorry you got into this jam. I think you've learned a lot from it. And good luck, Ted.
1: Remember, the First Call Tax Advocates, Ron and Jeff, are your first responders, board-certified professionals, over 60 years of experience. Visit their website, FirstCallTaxAdvocates.com. That's FirstCallTaxAdvocates.com. Learn more, explore, and leave a review. For more urgent matters, call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. And for you subscribers, we offer a complimentary consultation to discuss your tax matter. Our next caller is
0: Warren from Wichita. And Warren is a charitable guy, Jeff. He, uh, He wants to help. He is not suffering like many during this, uh, during these tough times. And Warren is looking uh, to continue to give his money away so that he can help people. But the question he has is, what are the tax implications if I give money to charity?
2: Ron, we talk about these kinds of things all the time. Uh, The subject happens to be frequently litigated in tax courts. Uh, but um, essentially, you get a tax deduction for your donative items, uh, and if they're more than five hundred, more than two hundred and fifty dollars, I stand corrected. You need a written receipt.
0: So there's a, uh, there are rules with regard to um, proving that you have given away cash or property. Uh, there are, uh, my understanding, there's a something from from the organization that you donated as proof maybe even an evaluation of the asset but you get an income tax deduction assuming that it's all legitimate and you have the proof in the event that you're examined so the income tax deduction is that an unlimited deduction is like for instance if i gave away a million dollars do i get a million dollar deduction on my taxes jeff
2: Well, nice try. Uh, Basically, (laughs) your income is a big factor, and you can deduct up to 50% of your adjusted gross income, 60% if it's cash, And there are other rules depending upon the size of the donation and whatever. Sometimes that 50% is 30 or 20%, but um, it's not an unlimited amount. Now, the deduction is preserved, so it is whatever you don't consume in the current year, you carry forward to the next year.
0: So the different types of property that can be given away is also a factor. So you mentioned cash. Charities like cash. You give away cash, you are limited to 60% of your adjusted gross income for the deduction. If you give away tangible personal property, like an automobile, if you give it away and the charity uses it for their intended purpose, right? Now we're talking about fifty percent. So there's there's a lot of details. Work with your tax advisor on picking and choosing the right way to uh, to give the money away. Now that's on the income tax side, Jeff. What about somebody who's got some significant wealth and would like to give that money away so that it can be used? But what are the what are the tax implications of Giving it, forget about the income tax, the gift tax. Does does he have to pay gift tax if he gives it away?
2: If he's giving it away to an organized charity, the answer is no. If it's within the family or to strangers and friends, then the answer is probably yes. Um, And you certainly need a good and well-trained advisor to counsel you. If you're giving it away to an organized charity and there are a number of different vehicles to use in, in estate planning, you probably can get some very large tax deductions for that.
0: So the, the general rule, there is an unlimited gift tax deduction. So if you give it away, uh, unlimited charitable, right? Charitable gift tax deduction. If you give it away to an, a um, qualified charity, then you do not have to pay gift taxes because generally the donor is responsible for the gift tax. So if you follow the rules, you can give away a lot of money to a qualified charity. Does that lower your gross estate for estate planning purposes? Oh, yes, it does. And it was not going to come back into the calculation. That's a topic for another day. So Jeff... The the uh, vehicles that are available to people um, probably would be a topic for another show. They can um, give the money away and get income back, right? What are the names of some of those vehicles? Oh,
2: there's a charitable remainder trust. There's a charitable lead trust. There's trusts for just about everything imaginable. A skilled, qualified attorney. And skilled, qualified financial planner, uh, probably working together, would then bring about an overall plan, present you the pros and cons. Um, But one thing to remember, generally, when you're giving money away, you are giving up the complete ownership and complete right and title. If you retain some control over that, I give it to a family member, but I want to use it. That's not a completed gift. So Warren, let me just say thank
0: you on behalf of the rest of the people in the world that you are being uh, gratuitous and charitable and giving away your wealth. And hopefully it'll benefit as many people as possible. Yes, there are positive tax implications with regard to income tax and gift tax. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. You probably have additional questions, don't you? We are your first call. Remember, everyone's situation is unique, but we should be your first call. We are your first responders. The
2: 911 operator doesn't call you. Please call us toll free at 833-568-8999. Again, 833-568-8999. And visit our website at firstcalltaxadvocates.com. We'd love to know what you've learned today.
0: So please leave a review on our website. We have attempted to appeal to a broad audience, but we want to help everyone if we can. In our next episode, we'll be discussing topics from callers, including the non-citizen spouse. Can the, the non-citizen spouse receive from the citizen spouse? Meaning, can gifts be made and what are the tax implications? Also, U.S. tax court, when the appeals process with the IRS has still resulted in a stalemate and the taxpayer says, I disagree, tax court could be the place to go. And what are the tax implications? And lastly, the Roth IRA or Roth account conversion.